Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. How sweet it is to be loved by you. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios, with Jeff Calkins on today's show, presented by Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas, online at redrivertoyota.com. We're back with the Gabe Kuhn Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. I needed someone to understand my ups and downs. There you were. Jeff Calkins is columnist of the Daily Memphian, also host of the Jeff Calkins Show from 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. He is on X at Jeff underscore Calkins. Jeff, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. Um, what do we think about the Grizzlies setting the tone for the tank? I know you talked about that this morning. That was phenomenal last night. That was great work. Great work. 111.86. Get your ass kicked by a team that could chase you to the bottom. Now you're still six from the bottom. We are we are in great standing when it comes to uh, the, the lottery pick and where this could all end up. Well, I I I, uh, I am in fact in favor of losing that game last night, but I don't pretend that it's fun. You know, <laughs> right. um, I get it. It's it was I really do like for those people who went to the game, uh, watched the game. It was pretty dismal. Um, Honestly, it's it's kind of surprising that there haven't been more games that have been that dismal, right? I mean, it, given the roster that they're throwing out there um, and given the injuries that they've had. So, yes, big picture. And I know it, 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 there's not a lot of interest in the in the in the tank this year in the in the race to the bottom for two reasons. One is um, there doesn't seem to be great players uh, in this year's draft, and the second reason is. Because he's seen pretty well locked in somewhere between heading into the lottery, they'll be between six and eight from the bottom. They're you know, so it doesn't. So, but having said that, like it is just it is true. It would be better to have the sixth pick than the eighth pick. It would be more valuable to have the sixth pick than the eighth pick. Whether you use it, whether you deal it, whatever. And so, a game against Brooklyn, which is one of the really the three teams that are you're jockeying with for position at this point. Really, it's Brooklyn and Toronto and 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 Memphis seem like they're the teams that you know are are, are somewhere you know within in the same range, six to eight from the bottom. It really made sense to lose. Now it would have been more fun if they'd lost because uh, Gigi had scored forty four points. 
but missed a shot at the buzzer. And instead, Gigi was one of 13. One of 13 or one of 12? One, one of 13. One of 13. Yeah, instead, he was one of 13, and Vince wasn't good either, and nobody was good, and they were blown out in the first half. And it was just utterly dismal. But it's okay. That's what it's going to be. There, there really is. The, the, it's just true that for the rest of this year, if we're just being honest about it, Nothing really matters. I mean, it's just true. You know, I think that to me, though, you have to look at it like this. As bad as it was to be a Grizzlies fan last night, so much worse to be a Nets fan. Because what the hell do they have to look forward to? You know, <laughs> whereas the Grizzlies, we're just biding time. We, everyone understands you're just biding time till Jack comes back and Des comes back. And, and next year. You hope to be contenders again. Whereas if you're Brooklyn, if you're the Wizards, or if you're, you know, pick, what are you really looking forward to? It's awful. I mean, the the Nets are literally, I mean, just watching them run out there, they are the all-trade deadline team, aren't they? Oh, my God. It's nuts. Dennis Schroeder, Cam Thomas, Nick Claxton, McCall, they're going to keep him and try to build him around. DFS, Cam Johnson, Lonnie Walker, Ben Simmons, uh, even Dennis Smith Jr. It is well. Of, it's a random collection of decent players that you could, you could trade for at the trade deadline using some draft assets. That's what other teams yeah. look at. Every single player on that team with uh, like, and they don't even have their own pick. <laughs> so it's not like they can even like. Well, you know what? It's in the service of Gita. We'll rebuild. No, you know. So um, it is as as bad as things were for the Grizzlies. Though that was no fun last night, unquestionably. It's a lot worse for a lot of other teams. And, and, I mean, it's funny. The Ringer had grades for teams this season. And uh, every team in the NBA got a grade. And I was absolutely stunned and still do not endorse this grade. The grade was a B plus. That's crazy. For, the Grizzlies, for, for whom? The Grizzlies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Well, I, that's a hard. That, that would be the definition of grading on a curve, if you're well, grading that in, way. In the end, what they were, they just didn't. They didn't. They weren't results oriented at all. They just like bad situation. They made the best of a bad situation. They created more flexibility. They bought whatever else. They just and they found these two young guys and they like all that's great. But all that does to me is if you're really talking about what was the season for the Grizzlies. Sure, I'm not giving them an F because it wasn't self inflicted. But I can't give them better than a C. But I think it, it, it does lend some perspective to the fact that the, the future should be bright when, you know, a reasonably well-regarded outside publication gives these Grizzlies a B-plus for the year. So last night was miserable. And let's be honest, I don't think the Minnesota game is going to be any picnic either. Um, and then you've got these two against Portland, which, you know, if you really think the Grizzlies are five wins ahead of Portland, I don't believe they can catch Portland. Jeffrey seems to think that maybe they can. So um, you got two games against Portland this weekend and then another game against Brooklyn. Um, it really has sort of, I think, settled in how much of a just get this season Well, it's over. just game to game. If you, tune on, if you tune into the game, you will see if they have it or they don't. If they don't have it, you can go watch right. – Something else. Go watch a movie. So catch up yeah. on catch up on a TV show you've been neglecting for for a while. And I hate that that's the case, but that's it. No, that's just where well, we're just at the. We really are 
and it was, you know, when they were being feisty and all that was great. We really are at the let's just get the season over stage, you know. Mm. Um, and and that's too bad, but that is the way that some seasons will go. That's, that's you know, you, you don't always get to have a fun spring um, as, a, uh, as an NBA fan. We've had a lot of fun springs. More seasons since the Grizzlies came to town. There are more seasons than not. They've been in the playoffs. Um, and we've had that to look forward to. This is not one of those years, and this is a year when, you know, I, 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 I do a morning radio show. And oh, a hundred. Like that was I was just about like bring to bring this up to break down the games. But what the hell was there to say about last night's game? Really, you know, nothing. You talk about the reverse standings, and how yeah, how much can you say about standings. the reverse standings? Right, because they're not even that exciting. Because they're not. It's not like there's a John Morant ready to be plucked out of the draft for you. You know, yeah. so. Um, so yeah, it's a little dismal on that front, but but they did what they had to do, and now there's two games separation between the Grizzlies and Brooklyn, and Toronto also won last night, so there's two games separation between the Grizzlies and Toronto, and big picture, all of that is good. Yep, 100%. Talking with Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins on X. Daily Memphian columnist also hosts the Jeff Calkins Show 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Are you buying into the uh, the Tigers basketball team being you know lo- in lockstep with each other after seeing the Penny Hardaway show and, and, and sort of what happened there last night? You have seven guys, including uh, or eight guys if you, if you count Nick Jordan there, and Penny Hardaway was saying they seem to be bought in. They seem to have way better chemistry than they've had um, the entire year, and obviously the you know the the main lesson here is that winning cures a whole lot. Um, so they're going to have to keep doing that if they want to have this chemistry carry over. But how much do you buy into that, or do you think it's just sort of full court press? Penny trying to show the show the fan base, hey, we're bought in, we're ready to go, make you proud. Uh, you know, I, I I think it's better than the alternative, right? I think it's um, if we uh, blamed. Toxic relationships, dysfunction, uh, you know, lack of buy-in, um, all of that for their struggles. Um, you know, and we looked at body language, and and we talked back then when they were, you know, no one, no one said to Penny after whatever loss it was, no one, I, I got your back. Remember that? Remember that? Right. It was a, you know. So we paid attention to it when things are going badly. So I suppose we can pay attention to. Uh, seven or eight players showing up to the post game, I mean, to the radio show when things are, you know, as, as a sign. So, sure, I think it's better than in the alternative. Um, I don't think it, you know, guarantees that they're going to win the tournament. Um, I wish it would, but um, sure, I, it, it's it's a pretty thin. <laughs> it's a little, you know, it's 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 grasping to put much stock in it, right. but it's better than the alternative and it's what happened last night and um and so yeah i mean i think we all know this that if this this team has enough talent that if they are together and pulling in the same direction they have at least the ability to get done what they need to get done and mm-hmm. so um you know it wouldn't matter if these grizzlies all showed up to dinner together because they stink <laughs> you know what i mean right. 100%. So it, it, but when when the when there's a team that has enough talent and you get some signs that they, you know, are hanging out together, well, sure. But, I mean, I swear to God, it feels like this whole season has been a, a bunch of 
oh well they've now they understand or now we're having now we're having a week where practices are harder than ever <laughs> or now that like <clears throat> we've tried to read so much into this for so long and so much of it then doesn't doesn't turn out well that I'm not going to put too much stock in it. I, and I literally remember, this is true, and I checked with Parth. He wrote stories at the beginning of this year about how this is the closest team <laughs> that there's ever been under Penny Hardaway. Yep. And that was a team that was on the verge of dysfunction, turns out, right? So I think you have to take all of that stuff with a grain of salt. But, again, better than the alternative. Isn't it wild, though? Like, Penny Hardaway teams, yes, it's a roller coaster ride. This, by far, is the biggest roller coaster, though. I mean, 11-2 uh, and two in the non-con. Uh, you get to 15-2 and two at one point. You're 10 in the AP poll. You drop off a cliff, lose four straight games. You pick back up, you win three. Then you lose a couple more on the road going to Dallas. Now you're back up and you beat FAU and you avenge that loss. I, of all the years... When we talk about like the roller coaster ride that is Penny Hardaway's teams in general here at the University of Memphis, it is saying something to say this is the biggest roller coaster ride because it's been nuts. It's been all over the damn place. Well, it is, and I agree, it is the biggest roller coaster, partly because there's no other roller coaster that's gone as high, right, right. As, as this team was. And so, by definition, you, you, it, it is, you know, you see those videos of people going up slowly, higher, higher, higher on a roller coaster before it finally plunges. Well, this is the highest a penny team has been. And so, and then the plunge uh, is therefore steeper. But then, then you're exactly right. Then we got a little climb out of the plunge, and that hasn't happened before. Like two years ago, um, after the eruption after SMU, they went on a run, and they didn't really have a dip again until they lost right. to Gonzaga, right? They didn't. They didn't, that, even wanted, they didn't that wasn't really a dip either. Number one overall seed, right. well, played them to the end. Right. They, they went on a uh, – I mean, they lost to Hugh, whatever, but they, they, they didn't dip. They just went they, – they hit their low moment, and then they climbed. And this team hit its high moment, then hit its low moment, then climbed a little, then hit an even lower moment, I think, you know, <laughs> yes. um, depending on how you compare the SMU loss. The, I, th- I think you know, the North the Texas SMU week was lowest Swing was lower than Rice. Yes, well, I think so, just because you knew your back was against the wall, you could have saved your at-large hopes, and then once you lost those two games, kaput, gone. Yeah, so this one's gone up. This one's gone, yes. This one started up and then down and then kind of up and then down again, whereas usually it's just, um, you know, you have the, you have the big dip and then the, the team starts to climb, and sometimes it's climbed in the NIT and sometimes it's climbed in the NCAA, but it's generally kept climbing, whereas this one has been more, yes, certainly more up and down. Now, what did you think about Penny talking about the fan criticism after the losses? He said, losing four games in a row, it's devastating. With this group, it's unacceptable. Then we go to Texas and take two steps back, so the scrutiny was warranted. That is a far cry from what has been said the past couple of weeks by Penny Hardaway. And, of, oh, it's a young team. We got, we got young guys. They're impressionable. You know, we have to find ways to get through to them. Some of the things I've read have been laughable. Right. I think he's a lot more uh, privy to say these things. He, he's a lot more likely to say these things after some wins than he is after some losses. But I, I found that pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, that it, it was a, uh, it, it, again, you can't, like, Penny says stuff. Yeah, you can't hang on every word. I get it. I understand. Because it, it could be the next, another thing tomorrow. You know, like, even in the same... 
press conference. He could say it's on me, and then he could also say the plan was perfect. It's on the plan. So, so, um, but yeah, this was, I mean, this one has the advantage of being 100% like accurate. It is true. When you have that kind of, um, you know, stretch that they've had, there's going to be criticism. It's interesting. I hadn't thought. You think Penny is more level-headed and accepting of the criticism and understanding that it's, that it was understandable because they're coming off a win now. Yes. Whereas when he was coming off a loss, that's when he was more lashing out at the criticism. Yes. I think that's a reasonable theory. Yeah, I can buy that. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's proof is there. <laughs> the proof is there the last three weeks, uh, just to be completely honest with you. Now, uh, uh, I, I want to transition a little bit to the NFL. Do you see all this? Uh, the, uh, we have uh, NFL Combine. A bunch of people stepping up to the podium, GMs and everything else. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Poles from the Bears gave an update on Justin Fields. You have been all over the Caleb Williams thing, and I, I agree they should take Caleb Williams with that first overall pick. But he says his phone won't stop blowing up, and he wants to do right by Justin Fields. What is doing right by him? What, like, Where would you want to see Justin Fields land when we talk about going into next year where he could actually be successful where would you, where would that be in your opinion? Well, uh, before I say that, I'd, I'll say this: if I was if I were the Bears a Bears fan, I wouldn't. I'd want my GM to do right by me, you know, <laughs> yeah, as a right. Bears fan. I, I wouldn't care. So if he took less to put Justin Fields in a better situation, he would not be doing his job. And I don't believe he will. So I think those are just words that he said, right? Mm-hmm. It is interesting, though. I've been assuming all along they're going to take Caleb Williams, and I still think they are. But it is sort of interesting because Peter King is one as he's on it, as he's retired as he's retiring, and then I've seen others on social media saying they have heard the grit the that the Bears might well you know trade out of that pick. So who the hell knows, really? Um, and and that they like another quad. I don't really know. Um, um, in terms of where Justin Fields would go, that I think is a fit. I think Pittsburgh's a fit, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I think Arthur Smith is a good OC. He obviously didn't work for him um, in Atlanta, um, but you've got a uh, uh, you've got a established culture there. You've got a good head coach. You've got a winning culture, um, and so I think Pittsburgh is an obvious place that would be good for Justin Fields. Um, you know. It, it, truth matters, Atlanta wouldn't be a bad place because they've got such weapons there, right? So yeah. I, you know, but I don't, I don't know that there's a like where where would be a bad place? I don't know. I, I, that's a, that's an interesting one. Like if you ended up in Carolina, yeah, but Raiders, that would never happen. Raiders, maybe. But what, Raiders, you've got one dominant receiver who you have to keep happy. They're not going to tag Josh Jacobs, so he doesn't look like he's coming back. I remember, whatever. I think they're going to try to negotiate a deal with him, um, but. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I, you know, I, I think it's up to Justin Fields to make it a good situation where right. he goes. You know, I don't think it's really up to. Um, and then so much of this is like I do enjoy this week where there's a million things being said, but it's just impossible to know what's lying. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, what's posturing, what's lying, what's trying to keep increase the value of your players. So I don't put much stock into it one way or another. Um, and a lot of intriguing stuff, though, like, uh, um, you know, is Justin Jefferson really going to be traded? That's it w- would be interesting if he were really on the market. Um, are the Pats really 
maybe dealing out of the third pick. That would seem kind of crazy to me, but you, he sort of that's one of the things that's kicked around. So you got lots of great rumors, um, and that's why I think it's a fun week. Are you are you a combine fan? By the way, I don't know if we've had this discussion. Yeah, I mean, I, I am I a combine fan. Do you like I, do you do you, do you enjoy like seeing the results, it, seeing how guys everything. move up boards, that type of thing? I don't. I don't. I don't sit there and watch it. I get that. I understand. But I do absolutely read everything about the combine. Who ran what? Who lifted what? Who was impressive? Who wasn't impressive? What rumors there were? Now this year. As a Bills fan, I'm particularly the the receivers don't go till Saturday till the weekend, so I'm interested to see what they'll run. You know, and I think there's some positions where where those numbers matter more than others, maybe necessarily. Um, but I think they do. I think, <clears throat> I think corners, you know, the numbers really matter. I think the stopwatch numbers. I, I don't know if they. Ma- I don't know if they translate. What you probably have a better opinion of whether they translate this, in, right. into players or not. But I do think. They can absolutely change your draft status. That's clearly true. Um, I think receivers another one where you know your numbers matter hugely. Um, so um, yeah, I'm interested. Uh, the, the one thing that has bothered me about the combine experience, and this goes back at least a ways, is I think that it has become like a lot of things, whether it's analytics or you know a draft value in general. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I think that it is a over-analysis of numbers that sway GM's opinions when they um, sort of see, oh, this guy ran a 4-3, this guy ran a 4-5. The guy with 4-5 had better better production, but 4-3, we could translate him. Oh, my gosh, he runs so fast. I think that we have it, – it, it's one of the many examples of we have so many numbers that we – lose some common sense along the way. And we've seen that in the past, whether it was Darius Hayward Bay getting drafted because he ran a 4-3 by the Raiders, or John Ross running the fastest 40 in, of, of all time and being the first wide receiver off the board. I just, that, that's part of the, the, the process that is always, uh, you know, the last 10 years, last decade or so, that's always rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, there's always been. The Raiders and their receivers always take stopwatch guys. I mean, one of the original draft, uh, you know, combine Kings with a defensive end named Mike Mamula. Right. Uh, I think, and, and he was just a combine guy. So you see it, like you see that, you see that traits are sometimes over, you know, over, overestimated and production underestimated. Um, you know, Jerry Rice, I, I mean, you know, there's lots of examples. Jerry Rice was not, was not a stopwatch guy until he had pads on, you know? So, um, 
So I don't know how I don't know how you balance that if you're a GM because they very clearly do. I mean, there's a correlation. I mean, you, you see it all the time. There's, there's there are physical traits that are required to be successful in the hundred percent, right? Yep. And so it seems kind of crazy to me. Like the Bills, like big corners. Do, do I really yeah. think that you know, like a a, a five ten corner, which you know, with Blaze, it can't be great. No. So, but teams, it is funny. Teams have their own. Well, you know, we don't take a uh, we don't take an offensive tackle. You tell me. You tell me. Arm length is critical for some teams, and it, we're not going to take a tackle if they don't have you know length arms of this length. Yep. Do you believe in arm length for a tackle? I believe in yes. There's a, there's a limit though. I, I don't think you need to dock someone or, or pick someone over the other one because they have uh, three quarters of an inch longer reach. You know what I mean? And that that happens in these in these situations. Also, I think that uh, when you just look at like the product and and what has happened with it. The, the 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 best prospects, the guys that we want to see compete and go out there and do the NFL combine drills, they they don't do it. Marvin Harrison Jr. is not going to run. Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels aren't going to throw. You know, I think there's been this trend away from okay, I have this top ten spot seemingly locked up. I don't want to do anything to to put myself in harm's way uh, and, and drop down any boards. Well. Yes and no. I, I, I totally understand why if you are one of those quarterbacks, they're all going to throw at the pro day. You know? Well, because and, they script the whole damn thing. Exactly. Shout out Zach script, Wilson. Because they script the whole thing. You know what else is scripted? NFL games. You know what I mean? You know what the plays are. You know what, like throwing to weird, odd, wide, wide, wide receivers. That's not the skill set of an NFL quarterback. Throwing to receivers who you don't even know. Like, you know, like, so I totally get why a receiver would, why a quarterback would say, you know what, I'll throw, I'll throw it in my pro day. Um, and then the only, the only players that, that they can afford not to run at the pro day, yeah, but they don't they'll, they'll run at the, like it's a four or five, like, I don't know. Yeah, they'll, they'll all, and the only ones who can afford not to run are the ones who are awesome. Right. Yeah. right? Those are the only ones who can afford to say, yeah, I'm not going to do it. I'll do it at my pro day. Everyone else is going to be running and lifting and doing what they can to impress you know, impress the scouts. So, um, I don't know. I, 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 that doesn't particularly bother me. There's a little bit of an element too of, and you know, this as much as anyone people train for the pro day Yes. in the same way that people train, you know, people, people get higher private tutors to take ACTs to help them get better at the ACT or the SAT. Does that mean they're a better student than the person who doesn't take a, uh, have a private tutor? No, it just means they have a private tutor. So they will do better on the ACT yes, or the exactly. SAT. And it doesn't mean they're going to be smarter or a better employee or a better college student, but they are deeply prepared for it. But on the other hand, if you have, if you know that so much is riding on this, and you don't prepare for it, isn't that also a sign that you're not someone who's going to do the work that you need to do to succeed in the league? So- uh, sure, yeah. I guess that, that that's, a, that's a point that you can make. But again, like I think a lot of this, too, is like, you know, when I was going through my whole pro day deal and, and going through yeah. all the, the, you know, starts in the 40 yeah. and learning how to run a 5-10-5, it's strictly fe- yeah. it's focused on that. It's not on football at all. It's uh-huh. like when we do do foot when we did football training, it's doing all the drills that they're actually going to make you go through that don't have to do with you know blocking a dummy right. or blocking a person across from you. So I think you it's happy just with your pro day. Oh no, I ended up pulling a hamstring in my pro day, so that was not uh-huh. fun. Actually, I had like a grade two tear, pull, whatever the hell you want to call it. What that were was no you fun. running? What were you doing when you? Ah, uh, forty, good old forty. 
And that's also another thing. O linemen don't usually run forty yards run sprinting 40. that way. Why the hell does it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They focus on so the. When that happened, how depressing was it? Uh, pretty damn depressing. I knew I was. Uh, I knew I was a uh, guy who was going to have to perform uh, at pro right. day to be able to get myself into any conversations of undrafted free agents. Yeah, very borderline. Right Sixth, seventh undrafted free agent, and then not having participated in the five ten five and the three cone and the drills that sort of dropped me off the face of the earth in the in the minds of all the scouts that were there. So that was that, that was must tough. Have been a hell of a day. Yeah, that was not a fun day, and I had a mean sunburn too. Mean sunburn. And I had a Who nice else uh, worked out of your pro day. That, that? that would have been Riley and Anthony. Anthony didn't remember he didn't run at the uh, uh, combine, so he he did that. Um, who else? Uh, Jannard Avery was involved in that one. So all the all the guys that after that 2017 year when we lost the AFC right. championship, those same names uh. were involved in that one. So hmm. hey. It is what it is. Now, hey, real quick, Titans have not ruled out bringing back Derrick Henry. Have you ruled it out? Do you think that even makes sense in the grand scheme of things? I know that Derrick Henry really likes sense. to be a he, – he wants to be in Nashville. At least that's what he says, but I don't know if that I – mean, I don't think it jives. If you got him on a cheap deal, I think it's fine. Whatever. It doesn't hurt. doesn't hurt. You, you know, it does seem like it's a new era, a new moment, new time. I don't – there's something to be said for, for, for moving on. Uh, it seemed to me, and honestly, from maybe even bottoming out, you know, like so. I don't. Uh, yeah, I. I, I it's in, it is interesting this year. All these running backs who got tagged last year, um, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, and our own Tony Pollard, um, all basically their clubs have all said they're not going to be tagged, and so. You know, you can have all the Zoom coils you want between running backs last year saying, hey, we got to get the value up. But it feels like the value is as diminished as ever for, I, for running backs. And isn't Derek it going to be interesting, not though? not going to get a big deal. Because you have Josh Jacobs, Saquon, Derek Henry, Tony Pollard. Like, you have a bunch of backs, like five good, yep. solid backs that will get picked up. I wonder if a bidding war pushes up some of the prices for at least a couple of those guys. Right, at least above the tag number, which is like what twelve point one million dollars. That's my. That's where my curiosity lies. Well, will some I of these guys get bidded on by so many different teams that they'll drive up the value a little bit? I'll be stunned if a single one does better than the tag number. Okay, I doubt they'll do better than the tag number. I mean, they'll get decent deals. They'll be paid more than I am, and you are, and whatever else. And but I don't think they're. I think I think it's a pretty good sign when all their teams are basically saying we're not going to tag you. <laughs> you know, uh, we'd like we we take you at a lesser price. I think they feel like the market is suggesting, uh, you know, they deserve that their market value is a lesser price. And I also was reading a primer for all these running backs because they all are not going to get tagged and they're going to hit the open market. And you see, like, oh, you know, what what teams do they fit with? What's a, what's a natural right. fit? You see, Ravens, 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 Ravens. <laughs> Everybody, every running back Everyone on the open market the is a Raven at this point. But we'll see how it all shakes out. I think Derrick Henry with the Ravens would be very interesting, with Lamar and his legs and how much you have to step up and pack right. the box. That would be that would be fun for them. We'll see. We'll uh, see. He clearly still had a little bit left at the end. So yeah, he still we'll ran see. for a thousand yards. But Jeff, I appreciate yeah. it. See you again. That is Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins on X from the Jeff Calkins Show, 9 to 11, right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. And you can also go check out his work uh, at the Daily Memphian. Go to dailymemphian.com. He is a columnist, 
there. Now, if you're looking to sell your house, look no further than Community FSBO. Community FSBO. FSBO means for sale by owner. So what Community FSBO is going to do is they will give you the tools to make yourself your own boss when it comes to selling your home. You don't have to go through a realtor. You can go through yourself. They have three separate packages that let you take advantage of the next-gen FSBO process. Uh, the next-gen FSBO process is very simple. You will pick one of those packages, and they will handle just about everything for you. They have professional photography that they will set up. Uh, they'll have an interactive 3D walkthrough where, where anybody who wants to go buy the house can walk through the house before they even show up. Uh, they, they'll handle floor plans. They'll do room measurements. And, of course, they will handle your listing. Then you field the offers, and you're on your way. And the money savings, uh, that that's sort of the big draw uh, for the FISBO process. Uh, using a 2,000-square-foot home, selling for $350,000 at that 3% realtor listing fee, which would be $10,500, you can save up to nearly $9,800. Bucks. So if you're looking to sell your home, look into the FISBO process. And if you're looking into the FISBO process, look to Community FISBO. It's an unreal next-gen process that you are sure to latch on to. Where you can check them out, go to communityfisbo.com. That's communityfsbo.com. Or call them at 901-660-FISBO. That's 901-660-FSBO. Now, we have some uh, NFL to talk about. We'll talk about Justin Fields, the update that was given by Bears GM Ryan Poles. And also, Sean Payton spoke today uh, about Russell Wilson and everything that has transpired in the past year between the Broncos front office and Russell. So, all that on the other side, right here on the Gabe Kuncho 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center hotline. Now back to the Gabe Coon Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Feel is their appointed duty. They keep trying to tell me here. Combine drills will start coming up on Thursday. But as of right now, we have everybody in one place in Indianapolis. So you know what that means. Everybody's stepping up to the podium and doing their pressers. And this is GMs, this is coaches um, that are talking about their team and the state of their team, doing the state of the team address, state of the franchise address. Now, I want to start with who holds all of the cards when it comes to the number one pick and the start of the 2024 NFL draft, and that's the Bears. And Ryan Poles. Spoke with the media today, and he is their GM. Talked about Justin Fields. And it was kind of interesting the tone he took because I think it's mostly accepted that he is going to be um, traded at some point because they're going to draft Caleb Williams uh, out of USC, and he will uh, sort of be the restart of the quarterback conversation. He'll be on that rookie contract. You're not going to have to pay him a whole lot. You can sort of spend money elsewhere. And they have a lot of open cap space. They're top 10 in cap space in the NFL at this moment. But Ryan Poles did say he wants to do right by Justin Fields. He has a lot of respect for Justin Fields, so he wants to make sure he lands on his feet in a spot that he could potentially thrive. Now, I, I think there's a point to be made here. Yeah, you can do right by Justin Fields, but also you need to do right as the Bears. The Bears have been sort of the armpit the past couple of years of the NFL. They've been in a really bad spot in a really bad way. So if you're going to trade Justin Fields, you have to find the correct assets in return. Uh, likely not players. It'll be draft compensation. Maybe that gets done around the NFL draft if they do take Caleb Williams. But Ryan Poles 
he's sort of saying things, but in the end of the day, he knows his job's on the line coming up here soon. So as much as he wants to do right by Justin Fields, he has to do right by himself before anything else. Now, he did also say, my phone won't stop blowing up. Now, there's a couple of ways to read that. You can say, okay, his phone won't stop blowing up because there's a lot of teams out there, the Steelers and the Falcons, namely, who really need a quarterback, and Justin Fields could be that quarterback for them in the future. So you could read it that way. And I think that that's the truth. I think there are some teams that do like Justin Fields and think he can be a franchise-type quarterback, and they would be willing to you know offload a, a second-round pick for Justin Fields. But the other way to look at that is... There has been a thought process behind keeping Justin Fields. There's some people out there that think that that's a real possibility. I'm not one of them. But if you do think that that's a real possibility, there probably are some teams reaching out about the number one overall pick. Are you going to keep Justin? If you don't keep Justin, can we trade up to number one? What do you need for number one? If if we're going to go get Caleb Williams, how much would it take? What type of players do we have that you find uh, that, that could help your team going forward? That's another way to read that. Now, he did say that uh, the Fields trade could come soon with urgency if they decide to draft a quarterback at number one, and it likely would happen before the free agent period, free agency period if it does happen. So um, the wheels could start spinning relatively soon. And the two landing spots that make the most sense that I think would uh, you know help out Justin Fields long-term, one would be the Steelers. Um, not that I think the Steelers are going to have some high-flying, high-powered offense. You have Arthur Smith as the offensive coordinator. They're going to get into some play action. They're going to be under center a lot. They're going to run the ball. So Justin Fields is not going to be a guy that would be able to exploit a whole bunch of different things within an Arthur Smith system. But Arthur Smith could definitely dial up some things to use Justin Fields' legs to sort of uh, make that uh, offense a little bit better. Um, But when you talk about the Steelers and being a part of that franchise – They're one of the most stable franchises, if not the most stable franchise in the NFL right now. And to be under the roof with Mike Tomlin, a two-time Super Bowl winner, a Hall of Fame coach, that would be a good thing for Justin Fields ultimately, regardless of what I think about their offense and moving into the 21st century. Now, the Falcons are an interesting one because you're going into a situation with Raheem Morris, who has had a couple of stops. As a, as a head coach, but they haven't been overly good. They haven't been overly good. And he is a defensive-minded guy, and maybe you think differently about that. But Zach Robinson is their offensive coordinator. He's the hand-picked offensive coordinator for Raheem Morris. And quite frankly, he is a guy who played quarterback at Oklahoma State. He's learned under, under Sean McVay for a couple of years, easy for me to say. And, and he's a guy who I think could definitely find some ways – to get Justin Fields and potentially reach his his potential. Um, but um, when you talk about the Falcons, they have not been stable. Now, the other thing in the draw with the Falcons is the John Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. And then you talk about an offensive line who I think is substantially underrated. Chris Lindstrom is one of their guards, and he's an all-pro type guy. And, you know, as much as Desmond Ritter wasn't any good last year, he did get kept upright for the most part. So I think that that would be a decent situation, but you do have to take into consideration it's a new staff, um, and the Falcons have have really struggled. Um, But ultimately, Ryan Poles, the GM for the Bears, said there's no set plan in place. And that's kind of strange to me, and I don't necessarily believe that. I think he's being a little disingenuous. He's not going to show his hand, but I think the plan would clearly be, if you're using your thinking cap, 
that you draft Caleb Williams, you trade Justin Fields for whatever you can go find on the open market. It honestly feels like that's the only realistic option right now for the Bears because if they are wanting to just kind of throw everything away and restart it, why would you do it with Justin Fields as your quarterback? It makes sense to restart with a rookie who has potential like Caleb Williams. It's There's no guarantee like that he's just, going yeah. to be some – there's no guarantee that he's going to be as good as Justin Fields, but he has potential to be. So you might as well restart with that and get assets back for Justin Fields. It just – it makes – to me, it's it's a – it's a decision that's already been made, and they're just waiting till closer to the draft to actually do it. Yes, that's clearly what it is. They're not going to show their hand until probably the weeks leading up. And here's what you need to be prepared for, because we know smoke screens hit the streets all the time. There's going to be a lot of smoke screens around this one. And if there's not, it's very. it'll be a very clear plan that, that Ryan Poles has laid out. But I think that plan is going to involve in some way, shape, or form Caleb Williams being drafted, Justin Fields being moved. It's just... It, there's no other realistic way forward for a team that has been struggling like the Chicago Bears have. Now, moving on to the Broncos, the Denver Broncos. We know that down the stretch of the season, although Russell Wilson had really good statistics, he did not play. Jarrett Stidham played. He was 1-1 one one in his starts. Um, but Russell Wilson, the reason that he got benched by Sean Payton in the front office there um, in Denver is because he would not waive his injury guarantee. And his injury guarantee is basically if he gets injured, he's still owed this amount of money. And I don't blame Russell Wilson in the slightest for going that route. He is in his early 30s. He has to make sure if he does get injured, he has some guarantees on the back end. And I think waiving that injury guarantee, and this is something he talked about with Brandon Marshall on Brandon Marshall's podcast, you set a precedent going into the future. You're not uh, – Russell Wilson does not need to take it upon himself to save money for the Broncos who paid him that massive contract. In the end of the day, they paid him that contract – gave him the keys to a franchise. He expects to have those things. And they're basically saying, if you get injured, we don't want to have to pay you. And on his end, he's like, if I get injured and I can't play again, I want to be able to have the guarantees on the back end. It's very, very simple. Now, Sean Payton was talking to the media, and he said that they will have a decision in the next two weeks on Russell Wilson. And why I don't know why he has to act like they – you know, you know, the decision is they're going to trade him. But I guess the decision at this point is who they're going to trade him to. And depending on what you think about Justin Fields and where he may end up, I think that the most likely and, and you know, meaningful landing spot for Russell Wilson, and it depends on his contract and everything else, I sort of wonder how all that's going to play out because who wants to take on that contract this given moment with that injury guarantee? I don't think anybody likes that. But Russell Wilson with the Steelers would probably make a lot of sense. Alongside Arthur Smith, you know, he's a, he's a vet. He knows how to spread the ball around. You can get him into play action, get him out of the pocket, roll him out like they did with Ryan Tannehill when, when Arthur Smith was coaching him for the Titans. I just think that would make a whole lot of sense. And when you, when you look at Arthur Smith, he is, he's done a good job. Like Ryan Tannehill was sort of down and out. You wondered if he was going to be a, a lifetime backup when he went to the Titans. And uh, Arthur Smith got the most out of him because of the schemes he ran. I think that, you know, from an athletic standpoint, from an arm standpoint, Russell Wilson and Ryan Tannehill, you can sort of put them on that same plane at this particular point in both of their careers. So I think that that would be a good landing spot, but it depends on how much they want to pay at the quarterback position. Because I don't know if anybody's going to want to take on a five-year, $242.5 million deal with guaranteed money. 
Yeah, today, I don't know if you saw it, but ESPN released a list of the, the starters for all 30 teams. They, they were trying to predict the starters. And 32. 32, sorry. And on the Vikings is Russell Wilson. Okay, but that's interesting. The reasoning they have, it's kind of the same reason that they want to let Cousins go is the amount of money that it's going to cost. So I'm not sure if that fit makes a ton of sense, but it was, a, it was an interesting one to see they had Russell Wilson as a Minnesota Viking. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Regardless of the situation, this is going to be dead cap money for the the Denver Broncos, whether they trade him, whether they release him, go that route. So it is what it is. Also worth mentioning, we have a couple of franchise tags that have come through. T. Higgins, is they want him to be tagged with the Bengals. That's $21.8 million. And Justin Matabuike, who is the defensive tackle for the Ra- – or, or not for the Ravens. Um, or no, yeah, for the Ravens. I apologize. Um, they say if they can't get an extension done before Tuesday's deadline for franchise tags, they are going to tag him. And then also a couple of meaningful releases. Shaq Barrett, this is kind of sad. It's the end of an era for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Shaq Barrett has been released in, in five years, man. He was one of the big reasons they were able Hell to win. Hell of a run. He was one of the big reasons they were able to win a championship, win a Super Bowl. 45 sacks, 15 forced fumbles in five years, coming off the edge, being an outside linebacker for them. And then John U. Smith. I think he'll land on his feet somewhere. He'll get a he'll get a he'll get, you know, picked up for decent money. But the Falcons have released John U. Smith after catching for five hundred, I think, thirty two yards last year. So a lot of happenings in the NFL. We'll keep up with them as they all come in. But we need to go ahead and grab a break and uh We'll come back with a little bit of small talk. We talk ball every weekday from 4 till 7 p.m. Except right now. It's time for Big Man Small Talk on 92.9's Gabe Kuhn Show. And Small Talk is brought to you by Conway Services. Reputable service available seven days a week. Now, for Small Talk today, we go into the NIL space. And I think there's an interesting NIL deal that has been struck today, and it has to do with someone who's relatively local here, and that's Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart. He became the first person in NIL history, first college athlete, to ever sign with a private jet company. Nicholas Ayer will now sign on Jackson Dart, and he can use the company's fleet of jets for travel, training, and philanthropy. This is absolutely nuts. Like, the direction we've gone with this whole thing and, like, how these guys are being treated, I love it. I really do. Um, obviously there's some guys that will handle it better than others, but this is absolutely insane. Only the biggest of the baddest, the, the millionaires, the guys who get the $50 million contracts in the NFL usually are able to use these types of private jets consistently. But Jackson Dart being who he is at Ole Miss, he's going to be able to use them for his final year here at Ole Miss, and that's very, very interesting to me. But it's not a recruiting incentive. Yes. In no way is giving somebody their own private jet (laughs) a recruiting incentive. Yes. I find it nuts. But here's the thing about the NIL and, like, more deals like this coming along. People will view it as, oh, you know, these 18-year-olds, they have so much free. 18 to 23-year-olds, they have so much freedom. They have so much money, and we don't trust them to use it the right way. I still think that the education there – at co- in college, when you're getting this type of money, getting these type of deals, there could be so much education along the way before they get into the pros and, and have these issues. Because once you get into the pros and you you know use that money up, you're not going to have these opportunities on the back. And while you're in college and you're getting these type of deals, the thought process is still at the next level you'll be able to make that type of money. We've seen too many examples of guys not making money in college, getting to the pros, and then completely throwing it all away. 30 for 30 broke. I think there is so much damn, you know, people talk about giving these guys money and, you know, how it, how it can be ill-fated. 
Um, but at the same time, if you, if you find a way to educate these guys and show them the way early, you won't have as many issues on the back end. I really believe that as they get into the pros. This is the way. I think I, I really do. I really do that. But shout out Jackson Dart. That's shout pretty out. fun. That's cool. That's pretty fun. Now we have one hour left in the show, and we're going to use it wisely. We'll hop into the Blitz at 630. But coming up next, Christian Fowler. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.